Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So very glad to have you with us. This is the pre-election show. A couple people texting. You're not going to talk about politics today, are you? Well, yeah. Today, of, of all the days that you would talk about politics, yes, today will be one of those. Let me kind of give you a roadmap as to where we're going. We are going to set aside time in the 1 o'clock hour to talk about the presidential race, your chance to go on record, make predictions as to what you think is going to happen and why I will give you my analysis with the caveat that, yeah, I did not see President Trump winning in 2016. I'll tell you how I see this race. You can agree, disagree. You'll have a chance to respond. In addition, we will be talking about a number of other state races that are out there, state Senate races, um, state assembly races. It's not a situation really where I, I think control of either the state Senate or the state assembly is in play. I don't think there's any realistic chance that Republicans lose control of either house. Similarly, I don't think that there's a realistic chance that they're going to get a veto proof majority in, particularly in the state Senate. But we will be discussing races, races you want to talk about. Um, so that's going to come up in the one o'clock hour of the program. But I, I do want to highlight something. I sent out, matter of fact, I sent out a number of tweets. And let me just give you a, a head start on some of those. If you haven't seen them, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner 620 there. Um, it, it is amazing to me the involvement of, of money in politics. And one of the reasons why you are not hearing that much about it this election cycle, I believe, is because Democrats, particularly in Wisconsin, nationwide as well, but Democrats are outspending Republicans. You know, isn't it interesting that, you know, all the good government types and their allies in the media tend to downplay the conversations about all this money and politics and things like that when it's their side that is spending more. Now, for me, I, I think, uh, again, I, I don't have a problem. If people want to spend money getting candidates elected. I, I think that's fine. I just think that it's an interesting thing that all, like I say, the good government, the goo-goo types, you're, you're not hearing outrage now that it's the Democrats that are outspending Republicans. But it is kind of crazy when, when you look at this. In the Wisconsin Assembly and the State Senate, the gig, the job itself pays... I don't know, somewhere in the neighborhood of like 52 grand a year, plus you get a per diem and get expenses. Okay, so that, that, that's what the job pays, state senate and, and state assembly. There are races that it's looked like, assembly races. There's 99 members of the assembly. There are individual senate assembly races where it looks like over $1 million will be spent on that Senate race, over a million dollars for a job that pays fifty-two grand a year. Same thing is true in the state Senate. Um, several of these races going to cost over a million dollars. One locally is the effort that I think is going to fail to unseat uh, long-serving Republican Senator Alberta Darling. But in any event, we'll talk about that in, in greater detail. You know, during the one o'clock hour of the program, all the different races. But you can you can check out some of these really expensive races. Again, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner six twenty. We have a link to that. In addition, 
Um, if just when you thought the Milwaukee Fire and Police Commission could not get any more dysfunctional, they, they do. Now, this is the same Milwaukee Fire and Police Commission that is faced with a homicide rate that is going to probably, you're going to have to go back to the early 90s to, to match. Violent crime out of control. This is the Milwaukee Fire and Police Commission that essentially forced um, former police chief Alfonso Morales out of his job, rode him out of town on a rail, and is now struggling to find somebody to replace him. Um, almost nobody in the department wanted the job because they recognize how bad this is. You had one of the members of the Fire and Police Commission who resigned at the end of last week saying, I, this is too dysfunctional. I, I can't deal with it. The um, executive director pulled the plug um as well, she is now, I believe, gone. And now you have you have the chief of staff for the Fire and Police Commission. I don't know if you saw it, but over the weekend, she, she quit. She said, look, I'm, I'm done. She said, frankly, I'm concerned about the direction the commission is going. They're not making decisions based on who is the most qualified and what's best for the city. Decisions are being made based on their egos. Huh. So um, you, you've got, I mean, you've got, the, the ship is going down, and you have pretty much everybody who can just getting the heck out of Dodge. What I wrote on Twitter was, I would say that the Milwaukee Fire and Police Commission is a dumpster fire, but that would be an insult to dumpster fires. Remember, these are the same bozos, and that is with apologies to the real bozo that forced Alfonso Morales out as chief. So if you want to see that story as well about how just when you think it can't get worse with the clown car act that is the Milwaukee Fire and Police Commission, it does. And then just a couple fun things that I want to call your attention to. Um, over the weekend, it was, of course, Halloween, and I, we had no kids. Gru, did you have any kids at your place? Do you have any? Tri- you had no trick or treaters either. Yeah, we 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 didn't. We had a little bit of candy, but no no trick or treaters came. Saturday, when, where I lived, it was from four to seven. But yeah, my neighborhood doesn't have any kids, so. And I live kind of in the east side, where kind of away from the the campus, so there is a lot of traffic. Typically, I noticed it last year at least, and I had not one person even yeah. walk by the house. Yeah. So and and I I typically don't where I live now. When I lived in Whitefish Bay, we used to get lots of kids and it was actually kind of fun because we had, we have a lot of we had a lot of carloads of kids from other areas of of town that would come in and I just just I used to just love it. I I just thought that was that was great where I lived before it was a safe environment for people to go trick or treating and I brought that on. But in any event, just just one one Halloween related note even though I know that Halloween is in the rearview mirror. Um, I sent out a tweet about this. Uh, there, there was a great piece in the New York Times, and I've got a link to it, about horror hosts. You know, the, the people who, who look, in Milwaukee, for example, if you grew up in Milwaukee, it was Channel 6, had like Nightmare Theater, and it was Dr. Cadaverino, played by um, the late Jack Dublon, who was, he was also the voice of Albert the Alley Cat, you know, who was... You ever heard about Albert the Alley Cat group? Okay, back in the day, now we have all these meteorologists on Channel 6. When I was growing up, Channel 6, the, the weather, I'm not making this up, the weather was done by a weather guy who was not a meteorologist, whose name was Ward Allen, and Albert the Alley Cat, who was a sock puppet, and Jack Dublon, who I actually, I, I, I 
knew his daughters. Jack Dublon was the voice of Albert the Alley Cat. If you, you Google that sometime, and you will see them doing the weather. Yes, um, weather guy and a sock puppet. You could not, but Albert the Alley Cat was just absolutely beloved. But anyhow, Jack Dublon, he also, he, he played Dr. Cadaverino, who was, you know, they'd show these like really bad horror movies on like Saturday night at 1030 or whatever. And then, you know, during the commercials, they'd cut in and then they'd do these little skits. That was not unique. Many, many American cities in the 60s and 70s, especially on some of the more obscure TV stations, they had these what they call horror hosts. Now, some of Elvira is probably the most famous recent one, but, you know, there, there were others as well. Well, anyhow, big story in the New York Times about this. And there is there, there's a there's a, a movie a documentary that was made about horror hosts. It's called American Scary, and it it streams on Amazon Prime. And actually, I watched it Saturday afternoon. It's it's about an hour and a half, but it really kind of, again, if you grew up in that certain time period, if you were a child of the 50s or the 60s or the 70s, you know exactly what I'm talking about, about the horror hosts and stuff. And it it's, was just a great walk down memory lane, and I've got a link to all that if you want to check it out on a lighter note. Um, American Scary. If you're still not quite over your Halloween fix, check it out. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Wagner 620. All right. The chants were at the rally yesterday. A lot of developments between President Trump and Anthony Fauci. The chants say, fire Fauci. I will explain. We will discuss. Stick around. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Number of people texting in, they remember Albert the Alley Cat as as well. I, it just you know in in today's day and age, you you would the idea of somebody doing the putting on the weather on TV and somebody interact the weather forecaster. The and again, Ward Allen was not a meteorologist. Now everybody's meteorologists, but interacting with a sock puppet would have been unthinkable. But it's what TV was in Milwaukee. Jeff, when I was a kid, I had an Albert the Alley Cat stocking cap. I'm sure it's in a memory box somewhere. That's from Joe, who says he's 53 years old. Jeff, I'm this is from Matt. I'm 53 as well. I have the original Albert stocking cap you could order from Channel 6. Jeff, when I was a kid, I had an Albert the Alley Cat stocking cap as well. Okay, so a lot of those are out there. And if Again, if if you want to see what I'm talking about, and you just want to have your mind blown by things, how how things change, just it, Google Albert the Alley Cat, and um, you will you will probably be able to watch old film clips of Albert doing the weather. Yes, doing the weather. And like I say, Albert was a puppet. And I had the puppeteer. I, I I went to school with his daughters, um, Jack Dublon, who also played also played the guy on the Midnight Horror movies. That's just kind of a little walk down memory lane. All right. I sent out a tweet about this Saturday morning, and I guess I did not know exactly how right I was going to be. Um, Anthony Fauci, who for the longest time was the the face of the administration when it came to fighting COVID-19, Anthony Fauci and President Trump, Dr. Fauci and President Trump, have had a, a huge falling out. Matter of fact, the, the word is that they haven't spoken to each other since last uh, since since October. So they're, to the extent that they were in, in daily contact with each other, that that is not the case anymore. And it appears that the president is kind of, well, if not shut down his coronavirus task force, he's kind of pushed it way over to the, the side. 
Anthony Fauci is clearly unhappy with with that and he has taken to making a series of of public statements he's doing all sorts of interviews and he's not been shy about sharing his opinion that he thinks in essence the way president trump has handled coronavirus has been a disaster my sense is that fauci is reading the tea leaves believes that trump is going to lose and so he, he figures he has he has nothing to lose by going out and, and ripping on on Trump. So over the last couple of days, Fauci did a series of of different interviews where he again was was not was not shy about his criticism of of what was going on. He said um, we're in for a whole lot of hurt. It's not a good situation. Um, he did an interview with the Washington Post that I'm looking at, but he also did an interview on Australian TV. He's been sort of making the rounds, expressing his displeasure with the way the White House has handled this. Quote, we're in for a whole lot of hurt. It's not a good situation. All the stars are aligned in the wrong place. As you go into the fall and winter season with people congregating at homes indoors, you could not possibly be positioned more poorly um now this of course you know comes as, as president trump is well saying look we're going to turn the corner on on covid 19 um after the criticism from dr fauci you know the the white house um you know came back and said that, that you know it was very critical of him they said fauci knows the risks from coronavirus today are dramatically lower than they were a few months ago it's unacceptable and breaking with all norms for dr fauci a senior member of the president's corona task force and someone who has praised president trump's action throughout this pandemic to choose three days before an election to play politics as a member of the task force dr fauci has a duty to express concerns or call for a change in strategy, but he's not done that, instead choosing to criticize the president and the media and make his political leanings known by praising the president's opponent, exactly what the American people have come to expect from the swamp. Okay, so you have this back and forth. I sent out a tweet early Saturday saying, my sense is that win or lose on Tuesday, President Trump and Dr. Fauci probably part ways by Friday. I stand by that prediction. My guess is and my prediction is that regardless of whether regardless of the outcome of the election, after the voting is completed tomorrow, I, I think one of the first things that President Trump does, win or lose, is fire Anthony Fauci. Um, last yesterday, there was a couple rallies, one in North Carolina, and the crowd started chanting, fire Fauci, fire Fauci. And the president's remarks were, well, I might do that, but I'm going to wait until after the election. I appreciate the advice. The president said that was uh, at a chant in Opa Loca, Florida. All right. 855-616-1620. That's the Iconet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Let, let's tee this up. Is it time for President Trump and Anthony Fauci to, to part ways, whether it's Fauci resigning after the election or Trump firing him 
Is it time for the two of them, who obviously are not getting along, obviously not seeing eye to eye, would things be better served for the two of them, at least during the remainder of the Trump administration, whether it's two months or whether it's four years and two months, would it be best for Fauci to go? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My take on this, I just, it seems to me that the working relationship between the two of them is just irreparably broken and a parting is probably best now that's not to say if joe biden wins tomorrow he might not want to reach out and bring anthony fauci back into the government but trump has clearly right or wrong has clearly marginalized him they don't have any sort of relationship at all fauci is sniping at trump trump is sniping at fauci you need government officials to be on the same page they're clearly not there 855-616-1620 that's the accident mortgage talk and text line should fauci go and maybe for his own good maybe for trump's good what do you think? We discuss in a minute. If you're on the line, please hold on. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My prediction is that regardless of what happens tomorrow, uh, Anthony Fauci and President Trump part ways by the end of the week. Marcus on the north side. Marcus, good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Man, excellent uh, topic. I'm going to be real fast, but I think this will make sense to you. For example, a lot of people think that you're on the Democratic side because you're impartial with how you've been uh, doing this political season between Trump and Biden, right? Right. So a new station manager comes in. A lot of your callers think that we should get rid of Jeff. Jeff is he's not the guy for the station. But at the same time, you have no cause to quit your job, which you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. So pointing back to Fauci, if I'm Dr. Fauci, I, I have no reason to quit. I would wait till Trump fired me because there's a lot of implications with that. First of all, you got, you know, you got benefits, you got. Okay, let me ask you this. Will will Trump fire? Yeah, I I agree. Fauci's not going to quit. Will Trump fire him? No, he's not going to quit. Will Trump fire him? No. No, I I think if if Trump fired him, it's really going to impact his uh, political legacy, whether he wins or loses. So if he wins and you still fire Fauci, you're really in for it. And if he loses as a sore loser, let me take him down. That's okay. Fauci will have a job within two minutes. Oh, yeah. So, well, uh, Fauci's 80 years old. So, he's 80 plus years old. He's not going to need a job. But but you're right. Even if he gets fired, I'm sure Joe Biden would reach out to him. Okay, thanks for the call, Marcus. We're going to continue this. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My prediction is the relationship between President Trump and Anthony Fauci has been irretrievably broken. And, and right or wrong, I believe... I believe after the election on Tuesday, one of the first things that President Trump does, whether he wins or not, I I think he moves on from Anthony Fauci. Now, we can argue whether that's a mistake or not, but I think it is the reality. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. Travis in Whitefish Bay. Hi, Travis. Thanks for waiting. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. What do you think? So, uh, well, uh, Fauci, uh, in my opinion, shouldn't have been put out as the face for the response of, uh, to, to COVID-19 in the first place. I mean, to put one person and their personality on it uh, could uh, bring about uh, m- many problems, and it, and it certainly has. 
mm-hmm. uh, on the merits of how he does his job and whether he fulfills his responsibilities. I, I can't say personally for sure, but I, I w- certainly wouldn't fire him uh, for what's been going on. I mean, uh, if he does a good job in his position, uh, maybe give him a raise and, and reallocate him back to where he's supposed to be. Right, right. What do you think Trump does? Does it matter? And does uh, well, it matter no, if he Trump, wins or loses? No, I don't think it matters. Um, it, I, 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 knowing Trump, um, this is going to be a very political thing, uh, and uh, and he uh, he might very well uh, fire him. Um, but I, personally, I don't think it matters whether he wins or loses. I think uh, whether the man can do the job mm-hmm. uh, is is very important. But certainly. Someone needs to be put out there, and it needs to be someone who knows how to talk to uh, uh, to the public, uh, right. people with differing opinions. As a social media uh, coordinator on on uh, a Facebook web page, uh, I have opinions, but it's not. Uh, if, if someone asks me to be frank in that position, uh, I, I can't do it because it, it doesn't fulfill my responsibility as mm-hmm. a social media coordinator. I have to I have to put out a unifying message. Right. Right. And and um, you know I can't I can't uh, go back and forth between things you know depending on how the question is asked and I think that's where a lot of the errors have been made. But fire him? No, I don't know. He, you know he sounds like a brilliant man. Maybe no, I maybe think he does he, a really good job. You know, th- thanks for calling. I mean, I look here, here. Here's how I see Dr. Fauci. I, I think, and I, I've been saying this all along. I, I think he is very very brilliant. Now, if if you want to have a criticism of him, I, I think he is somewhat of a of a media hog, and uh, and you know he. I, I don't know that there's too many interviews that that he turns down. That's number one. Number two is he views things from, and I've been saying this from the beginning, from a, a purely public health perspective, and I appreciate that. That that's his job. Now, obviously, there's other factors that come into play, like the economy and things like that. So it's always kind of this balancing act. And I think he views things, again, from from the perspective of public health. Let's lock everything down and and then let's let's put everybody in bubbles. And and I get it. I understand because his his job is what can we do to control the virus? There is there is a bigger picture that's out there and it is that that balancing that you know we we saw what happened as a result of these lengthy lockdowns and it was just creating all sorts of other problems as as well um, I, I think the Trump administration made a mistake early on by letting him become the face of of this. I, and, but at the same time, that's not to say that you shouldn't be listening to him. Now, I think from one, some perspective, at least from Trump's perspective, um, Fauci has probably gotten to be, again, people look at Dr. Fauci and they say, OK, this guy knows what he's doing. The president doesn't, or at least a chunk of people say it doesn't. And I just it seems to me that you've got an untenable relationship there. I do think Dr. Fauci has become more emboldened to sort of do interviews and, and speak his mind and be critical of the president because he's reading tea leaves and he figures that Trump is going to lose tomorrow. And then he's really got nothing to lose because if Trump fires him, Joe Biden's going to immediately reach out and hire him again. Jeff, Dr. Fauci has been a disaster. He should have been fired in April. I really hope he is fired tomorrow. Jeff, Fauci is not a yes man like Trump wants all around him. Jeff, Dr. Fauci is not dependable. He flip-flops all the time. He thinks he is all-knowing, but he's not. I think he's too vain to admit so. Well, it, it is 
it is true, and this is the one of the things that, that frustrates me about Dr. Fauci and some of the statements. And he, he was doing this last week when he said, well, we're not going to have any sense of normalcy until 2022. Well, okay, that, that's what he thought last week. And then the stock market, you know, craters based on, on what he said. He said all sorts of other stuff at different times that have been inconsistent with that. Now, I understand on the one hand, it's because things constantly change when you're dealing with the virus. And the the numbers and the predictions that you make today might be markedly different than the ones you made a month ago or the ones you might make a month from now, depending on on how the virus runs its course and things like that. And maybe the predictions are going to be worse. Maybe the estimates are going to be better. We, we don't exactly know. I'm not sure it's helpful um, for the, the country's leading infectious disease expert to go on and keep making predictions um, about different things as opposed to just say, okay, this is what we're going to try to do. I, I think one way or the other, Dr. Fauci is certainly worth listening to, and my guess is regardless of what happens, if Joe Biden wins, Biden's going to reach out and, and bring him back in some way, shape, or form. Having said that, it does strike me again that the relationship between the president and Dr. Fauci is probably irretrievably broken. And like I say, one way or the other, one way or the other, I'll, I'll be surprised if Dr. Fauci is still in that position on on Friday. If President Trump wins, he's going to obviously bring in people that see are more aligned with what he's talking about. If he loses, well, he, he's got nothing to lose in his mind, I think, by by firing him. So I, I think these are the last days of Fauci and Trump as a team. Could be wrong, but that's kind of how I see it. Rick and Sheboygan. Rick, you're on WTMJ. Jeff, like listening to you. Thank you, sir. Here's my whole take on the thing. Donald Trump doesn't like hearing anything bad. Yep. Let's go back from the beginning. First, he got rid of from the gal from the World Health Organization when she threw up the red flag how bad it was going to be. Then he got rid of the CDC director, Richard Bright, again, because he doesn't like what he wants to hear. So as things went on, Dr. Fauci got put out of line. Dr. Burks got put out on the line. He brings in Dr. Atlas. Why? Because he's the only one that's telling him what Donald Trump wants to hear. So is is Dr. Fauci going to be let go? I think the whole thing is going to be let go. I'm sorry, when you say the whole thing's going to be let go, what do you mean by that? Well, Dr. Burks is going to be let go. If if Fauci gets let go, she's probably... I mean, you haven't heard nothing from her in the last, what, month? No, she's been very low. She was out here in Wisconsin um, a week or two ago, but you're right. She's been very low-key. So you think, regardless of what happens tomorrow in the election, you think there's going to be a a house cleaning among these top medical professionals? Sure, because Donald Trump isn't going to need him anymore. Yeah. No, thanks. I don't. Dis- if he wins, if if he wins, he, he's going to bring in a whole new crew. Yep. I, and he's it, not going to let things stand the way they are. Right. I, see, I thanks, Rick. I, you and I are on the same wavelength, and, and this. I want people to listen. I'm not. This is not an endorsement of. Gee, I, I think Dr. Fauci needs to go, etc. It is an analysis of. I think their relationship is kind of irretrievably broken, and you're exactly right, Rick. That if Trump wins, he's going to view that as a mandate to do things his way, and he's going to surround himself with with people who are more are more likely to view things like he does. And if he loses, well. He's he's got nothing to lose, 
by cleaning house, understanding that Joe Biden is going to bring in his own team regardless. That's why it seems to me it's the last days of Fauci. Now, you know, I could be wrong, could be wrong, but um, this is one that I think we'll know in a few days, one way or the other. Back with more in just a minute. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Let me give you some good news on the coronavirus front. And I'll be the first to acknowledge when you look at the numbers and people being infected and stuff, there's not a lot of good news that's out there right now. But matter of fact, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. I sent out a link to this story. Now, one of the reasons that if you wanted to be critical of Anthony Fauci, you could be is because his opinions have evolved and changed over time. And that's because... When it comes to dealing with, in this case, coronavirus, something that 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 people, you know, is new, we we don't know how it's going to react. We we don't. You have lessons from the way other viruses, you know, have reacted and things like that. But but everything is different. So it's like I always say: sometimes if you're if you're a general and you're trying to fight the last war, that is a mistake. If you're a politician and you're trying to, you know, run the last electoral campaign. That is typically a mistake. And when it comes to, you know, dealing with viruses, uh, especially if it's a new virus, sometimes the things that you think should work don't. And, and so that's why I think for a lot of the medical professionals, including Anthony Fauci, they've been all over the map when, when they've said stuff. And it doesn't mean that they're wrong. It means that things are evolving and they're using their best judgment, you know, based on the information you have. Unfortunately, however, um, sometimes that, that best judgment turns out to be wrong because new evidence comes in and it's had an effect on on people and the way they've acted. I mean, I, I think a big chunk of this mask debate, for example, I mean, part of the problem was at the beginning you had all these health experts, starting with the World Health Organization and the CDC, who were saying, OK, wearing masks isn't going to make any difference instead of telling us right up front, you, you should. Matter of fact, when I interviewed the Surgeon General about a month or two ago, I said, you know, what, what have you gotten wrong here? He said, well, the first thing we got wrong was we, we, we didn't appreciate that masks made a difference. And I understand there's political connotations to it, but part of the problem is when you get inconsistent information about stuff, then people say, okay, well, you, don't really, you really don't know what you're, you're talking about because you told us this one day, now the next day you told us something different. And when the truth is that stuff just evolves. Well, one of the big questions with COVID-19 has been, if you get it, can you get it again? Typically with viruses, typically, once you've had a virus, your body builds up antibodies. So you, you, you're not going to get the virus or at least that virus again. You know, once you've had it as a general rule, that's the case. One of the things that people have been concerned about with Corona, with COVID-19 is that this is perhaps a different virus than other viruses. And there's been some studies out there that suggested that the antibodies, you get it, you get sick, and there's a chance that in the near future, you can get sick again because those antibodies, the way the theory is that these antibodies don't last for very long. So that would be very, very bad news because it would mean that, okay, once you've had it, you're not going to be immune from it moving forward. And that's at least been a concern. Now, there's been a lot of 
again, people who study viruses saying, we don't think that makes any sense because, you know, once you've had it, you, you should have those antibodies. In any event, there was a, a new study, 30,000 COVID-19 patients released just the other day. And what they found was that the antibodies that people produce to fight off the virus last longer than people had previously believed. Um, it was a paper that was published last week in the journal Science, and what it found is that roughly 92%, 9 out of 10, of pay- people who had it, COVID-19 patients, produced sufficient antibody levels to continue fighting the new coronavirus. Now, again, they, you, you don't know, and things can always evolve with that, but if... If once you've had it, if your body produces the antibodies to fight it off, that's good news, number one, for you. And number two, it's good news moving forward for the people who are trying to develop a vaccine, because then you can look at these antibodies that the people who've had it have produced to, to kill the vaccine. And you can use that again from a perspective of trying to develop something that you give to other people that's going to protect them. Now, I don't know for certain that that's the case. I think, again, what we're hearing evolves on a regular sort of of basis. But if that is the case, and I say if, it's very, very good news, knowing that once you've had it, you're at least going to have an immunity from it or be unlikely to be reinfected for uh, at least a period of time. That's good news if it's true. If you want to see the study, I've got a link to it. You can follow me on Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. Back with more in just a moment. Well, I wonder how this is going to work in the real world. If you weren't following over the weekend, uh, Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, announced that New York is now going to be imposing a quarantine on all travelers coming in from out of state, except residents from New Jersey, Connecticut, and in Pennsylvania. Here's what Cuomo says. There's not going to be a quarantine list. There's no metrics. If you are coming into New York, Within three days, you must have tested negative. So, in other words, when you arrive, you must be able to present proof. Now, I guess they're going to have the, I I don't know, the the COVID police at the airports or, or whatever. When you arrive, you have to have with you proof that three days within your, between sometime in the three days prior to you traveling, you had a pot, you had a COVID test and you tested negative. But that's not the end of it. Once you arrive in New York, even if you've uh, tested positive, pet tested negative, once you arrive, you are then required to quarantine for three days. After your three-day quarantine, you can then take another test on the fourth day. And if on that fourth day you test negative, then you can go about your business. But essentially what the governor is saying is that anybody who comes to New York from anywhere other than New Jersey, Connecticut, or Pennsylvania, the contiguous states, they're going to have to be locked locked down for three days and then take a COVID test. Now, again, I, I look at this and I listen to it and I have two questions. I mean, first of all, how it, it, realistically, how is this going to be enforced? I mean, are there... Are you going to put the the police or the health officials, are you going to divert them from doing other things and have them at the airports and have them at the bus terminals and have them at the ports and all these different locations so you're stopping 
everybody that's coming into New York, particularly into New York City? I mean, how as a practical matter are you going to do that? And secondly, how are you going to enforce that? As a practical matter. So let's say that I'm, I'm a business person. I, I fly in. I've had my COVID test on a Thursday. I fly to New York on Saturday. They say, okay, Jeff, you're going to have to quarantine. So Saturday, Sunday, Monday, I don't know if they do inclusive counting. You can either take your test on Tuesday or Wednesday. How, how are they going to follow up on that? How are, as a practical matter, are they going to know whether I'm going to my meeting on Monday morning or Monday afternoon and then turning around and leaving the state? I mean, how are are you going to get all these resources? And if you have all these people that are there that have the possibility of, I don't know, trying to track and trace and figure out where people are staying, et cetera, et cetera, wouldn't you be better off maybe using them, uh, again, for contact tracing and things of the like? This is very similar to what they did in Hawaii. But Hawaii is an island. And Hawaii, you know, Hawaii is a series of islands. And there, there's only limited ways you you get there you know most of it is that you get there you know by planes and so i guess you can set up encampments you know at the various airports and then you have to worry a little bit about the ports but in in new york i mean for example if i got in my car today and decided that i was going to drive to upstate new york and get there sometime tomorrow how are going to people going to know where i came from i mean i i i'm looking at what cuomo's doing and I wonder, as a practical matter, whatever his intention is, is this something that you can reasonably enforce? And if it's not something you can reasonably enforce, why bother? All right, when we come back, we're going to go where angels fear to tread. We're going to talk about the upcoming elections. We're going to start with what you think is going to happen in the presidential race. And then a little bit later on in the hour, we're going to shift into various statewide races. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Farrakh Bilstead, did you watch the Packers game yesterday? I did. All right. Did, did you have any overall thought? <laughs> <laughs> Third quarter was rough. Yeah. Third quarter was rough. Uh, I, I mean, Delvin Cook, man, he's just a monster. He can just yeah. run and run. I, I guess I, I, I had right. I, I had two thoughts. And, and first of all, you, you never like to blame officiating because the Packers oh, had a there bad was a, game. Yeah, there was a bad but, PI but call. the well, the it just the, the officials. I, I guess I would look at this and think I'm sure they didn't have money on the game. But if you wanted to believe that, there, there, I guess it was the inconsistency. Yeah. Um, you know, again, they called a couple key pass interference calls on the Packers. One I didn't think exists, but then you got another fourth down play where a guy just grabs and tackles the Packer receiver. You don't mm-hmm. call it. It's the inconsistency that that bothers me. And um, I, I, there there were a lot of key calls on what I would describe as ticky tack stuff, things that the leagues aren't doing. So I I don't think the officials had a particularly great day. But no, I, I don't I agree. I, I don't I don't want to blame them. Um, the, the second thing is, of course, the trade deadline is is tomorrow. Um, they gotta find people for Rogers to throw the ball to. I, I, all I know is this, what is it, Equanimius St. Brown? Oh yeah, he had a couple of drops. A couple of drops. <laughs> My God, I hope he's oh. not walking by a burning building and somebody throws a baby out because that baby is gonna be history. I mean, this guy, I, I, he's, he's been an underperformer in the three years he was there, but yeah, you're, you're in the end zone, you're 6'5, you tower over the receiver, you jump up and you drop the ball. Yeah, yeah. Um, fourth down. Uh, admittedly, kind of a tough catch, but if you're getting paid to do that, you Rogers make that makes catch. a great throw, yeah. puts it right there, it hits the guy in his hands, and oh, there goes the baby. So I, <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying they, they, 
whatever whatever the question is, he is not the answer to it. That's right. for sure. Well, and then you now you have this whole situation. So you have the trade deadline tomorrow. Now you have this COVID potential scare, whether or not it's just going to be A.J. Dillon or more that end up getting uh, testing positive for that. I mean, they, it's possible they don't even play their game on Thursday. Well, right, against San Francisco, which just ate them up last year. Yeah. Uh, did I, I think the early... Uh, the early line in Vegas, I think, was the Packers were favorites. I think, yeah. you know, because... Niners think, banged up. And right, everything. but again, it's like, all right, okay, having seen what San Francisco did to the Packers two, you know, last year twice, um, I, I don't know. I you know, yeah. just kind of like, okay, you know, yeah. you know, and, and the Packers are the favorites, huh? All right, but um, that was I, those are kind of my thoughts. The officiating, I thought, was again, it, it's not an excuse, but I, I did not think it was good. Well, that 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 one was detrimental. That when they picked up the flag on that fourth down pass interference, right? And, and I don't think anyone understood why they picked up the flag, right? Because it was clearly that, and I think you know, and on the previous drive, they called pass interference twice on the Packers, and, and both of them, I think were were questionable sort of of calls. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could go either way, but if you're gonna if you're gonna nail the Packers, you have to nail. It. But you don't want to blame the officials because they did not create the holes that that guy was running <laughs> through. My producer Gru could have run through some right? of those holes. Yes. I mean, it was like, oh, you're my, that a day, the, you haven't haven't you figured out that the guy runs to the left and then cuts back to the right, and maybe you should have at least somebody there to at least slow him down. But <laughs> all right, what can you say? Uh, you're right. All right, we we now go where angels fear to tread. We have been. Well, gosh, it seems to me we have been talking about what's going to happen tomorrow for, well, about four years since President Trump was elected in 2016. Tomorrow is the election is election day. Now, I understand that in Wisconsin, over a million of us have already voted. I was one of those people. Um, I also understand that it's, it's really interesting because people believe what is going to happen based on what they want to happen, which is why in the last Marquette University Law School poll, you had President Trump, um, 80% of the people who said they supported the president, they said he was going to win. And 80% of the people who supported Joe Biden said he was going to win, said Biden was going to win. So there, there's a lot of this because I like the guy, because I support the guy, I think he is going to win. There was a fascinating piece over the weekend in the Wall Street Journal, and I did tweet it out. You can follow me at Jeff Wagner 620 It's called the Trump Referendum. And the subheadline is the policy likes the public likes his policy results, but his chaotic governance may cost him a second term. And it, it talks about how Trump has really done a lot of good stuff, you know, for the economy, et cetera, et cetera. As I have said before, if this were not a COVID year, if we did not have the pandemic, I believe President Trump would have been reelected overwhelmingly. Okay, that is not that that's but things changed in January and February and March, and fairly or unfairly, and I say when I say unfairly, it's while President Trump, I think, unnecessarily downplayed and did not fail to appreciate the significance uh, and the widespread nature of COVID-19, I'm not, I firmly, I'm not sure that anything he could have done then would have really changed stuff. And as I've argued before in this program, for people who disagree with me, I mean, just look at what's going on in Europe. I mean, it's not like COVID-19 has gone away. The coronavirus is making a huge resurgence all across the world, short of some provinces in, in China where... All right, we are not a totalitarian state where you can just you know lock things down for months and months at a time. But regardless, 
I appreciate that Trump is taking a lot of the blame for what we are dealing with now, fairly or unfairly, and that changes the dynamic. So, all right. We're going to open up the phone lines. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. When all the votes are counted, tomorrow and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, if you're voting in Pennsylvania, when all the votes are counted, who wins the election? Is it Joe Biden? Is it Donald Trump? Who's going to be the next president of the United States? And be prepared to tell me why. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in a moment. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My question is, what is going to happen tomorrow or what's going to happen after the votes are finally all counted. Jeff, it's going to be Trump in a landslide. Why? Because of the tremendous support you see everywhere, from rallies to parades to flags. Never seen any candidate get supported like Trump has been supported. Um, well, of course, again, the problem is that goes to my yard sign theory. And just because you see, just because you see several thousand people enthusiastically turn out at, at a rally, uh, that's, those people are going to support that candidate, but it doesn't mean that people in the greater community does. It's kind of like, you know, you drive through a neighborhood and you see a whole bunch of yard signs that support one candidate and you think, oh, that means the candidate's going to win and not necessarily. Um, Jeff, Biden wins. Americans are disgusted with the constant turmoil, lies, deceit, lack of character, lack of empathy, lack of decency. Um, all right, Jeff. Biden will win. Trump can't do politics. Jeff, President Trump wins. Uh, Like he says, he's not a politician. He's the people's president. He stands for our value, God, guns, and our freedom. Jeff, Trump wins re-election a sea of red. Um, All right, 855-616-1620. What do you think is going to happen? Let's start with Dennis in Milwaukee. Dennis, you're first. Hello. Hi, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. What do you think is going to happen tomorrow? I think Joe Biden is going to win mainly because Donald Trump's approval rating has never been above 50% in all his years as president. And to me, it's very difficult for any politician to get reelected when they've been underwater. And if I could just make a comment, Jeff, the the first uh, text you read talked about these uh, tremendous crowds at Trump's rally, and Mm -hmm. that's why the texter thought that Trump would win. Let me tell you a story. In 1968, I was a freshman at Marquette University, and that was an election year, uh, Nixon, Humphrey, and George Wallace. And all three candidates came to Milwaukee. Uh, Richard Nixon had a rally outside the old Mark Plaza Hotel on 5th and Wisconsin, about 800 people attended. Hubert Humphrey had a rally at Mitchell Field before no more than 100. George Wallace had a rally in the Milwaukee Auditorium before 6,500 people packed shoulder to shoulder. The yelling was so loud, I thought they were going to blow the roof off the auditorium. And yet what happened? George Wallace viable candidate. He actually won five states, and his intent was to win enough electoral votes to throw the election into the House of Representatives. But um, Wallace finished in third place. So to me, these crowds that Trump is drawing don't mean a thing. 
Well, right. No, th- I mean, I guess, and I, I guess I wouldn't say don't mean a thing because they are reflective of the fact that you have supporters who are very, very interested, invested in the campaign, who care a lot. I mean, look, the truth of the matter is, if you've got thousands of people, they're going to stand outside in the cold in Green Bay on like they did on Friday or, or tonight in, in Kenosha. That tells me that you have people who are very, very motivated and will run through brick walls to support the candidate and will do everything they can to help get other voters out. But to your point, I, I, I agree. It's kind of like the yard signs, um, you know, being able to draw several thousand people, President Trump ha- has always been in in the minds of some people. He's been a rock star, and I understand some people don't like to hear that. But I mean, if he he's always had very very good attendance at his rallies. People uh, in show up; they want to be part of of that thing. That that's one of the things that he does very very well. Will that translate in twenty twenty into? Uh, enough people that end up voting for him to make a difference. That's what the issue is. Okay, let's talk to um, Steve. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, I think Biden's going to win. Unfortunately, I'm a Trump supporter, but uh, Biden's selling a lot of Kool-Aid that I think uh, a lot of people are buying, and uh, he's making promises that he I, you know, he just can't keep all of them. So, mm-hmm. but anyhow, I, I think Biden's going to take it. Um, thanks for the call. I appreciate. It. Well, I mean, I one of the things is, and again, I, whenever we have this conversation, I, I fully admit I thought Hillary Clinton was going to win in 2016. I was looking at the polls, trying to read the tea leaves, and and President Trump pulled off a. Um, sort of like a, a Dewey defeats Truman sort of thing, kind of similar to what you saw in 1948. Everything fell right for for Donald Trump in 2016. You had a candidate. You were you were the agent of change. You were kind of the unknown at the time, running against a candidate that a lot of people were. Um, apathetic about and a lot of even hardcore democrats didn't support that that much it was like and and hillary clinton let's face it i mean everybody has baggage but but some people pack light hillary clinton did not pack light she had a ton of baggage so that was that was 2016 and that was what the dynamic was as i keep trying to tell people though 2020 is a different year than 2016 and in many cases president trump he he's he's the hillary candidate he's the establishment and i understand people view, don't view him as being part of the establishment but but he's the incumbent he's the known figure that is out there and so it really becomes a referendum on him and and that's that's where it's different i think 4 years ago it was a referendum on on hillary clinton in many ways you know do you want She's a known quantity. Do you want that? And, and people, I think, said no, or at least in the electoral college sense. Different dynamic now. President Trump was able to thread the needle. He, he won. He, he won Pennsylvania. You know, he won Ohio. He won Florida. He won North Carolina. He won Wisconsin. Something that that nobody saw coming. And you know, he held all these other states that you have to hold. That's going to be extremely difficult this year, I think. And again, mostly, I, I, if he loses, I, I blame COVID more than anything else. I think voters would have been able to overlook the o- overlook the the chaos and the disorder and some of the fact that we don't like him on a personal level, but we like the policies. But I think COVID has, has hurt him a lot. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Let's talk to Scott on the South Side. Scott, you're on WTMJ. 
Good afternoon, Jeff. Um, um, first of all, let me start by saying whatever is that there's no way, no possible way that Donald Trump is going to win the popular vote. All right. So we right. leave it as a starting point. But I believe whatever that Biden is going to win. And the reason why I believe that Biden is going to win is because I my reading is that the is that the suburbs and the exurbs and the city in the city voters have woken up whatever, and, have, and, and, that, and that they're going to be rallying to the polls if they already have not already cast their vote. And I just don't believe that there are enough available rural voters that Donald Trump banks his campaign on to overcome, to overcome whatever this crush of, mm. of suburban and urban um, voters. That's just my take. Well, you know, it, it, one of the things, unlike... Unlike President Reagan in 19, between 80 and 84, where I, I think he really broadened his base, you know, over that four years, I, I don't think President Trump has really broadened his base. I mean, I, I think that the, the Trump supporters who are, are out there today are the same Trump supporters who were there four years ago. I, I don't know. And, and to, you know, one of our first callers was talking about the polls and his approval rating never being over 50 percent. I mean, I don't for whatever reason, fair, unfair. He's really never expanded beyond those people that voted for him uh, before. And I guess if you have people who are apathetic before who ner- now turn out that 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 it makes it tough. It's an uphill climb to win the election. Yeah, because another thing which they've been referring to, whatever is the, are the millennial generation as well as the as well as Gen Z that he's made absolutely no inroads with. Um, thanks. Well, yeah, I mean, you you have that issue, Jeff. Joe Biden will win the popular vote. Well, yeah, he he's going to win the popular vote because he's going to run up huge margins in in states like California. But as we talk about a lot, it, it's when when you look at the electoral college with one or two exceptions in the states you know it doesn't matter whether you win by one vote or whether you win by 2 million votes i mean the point is you know they're kind of winner take all things jeff joe biden will win the popular vote but donald trump will remain president through challenging votes in court if not for covid trump would have won in a landslide now he will have to litigate himself into keeping power man i, I tell you one way or the other i i hope not i i just i i really hope for the sake of the country, for the sake of all our sanities, that one way or the other, we have a clear-cut winner, because the worst thing that could, one of the worst things that could happen in this country right now, given all the stuff that's going on, the social justice issues and the protests, the, the COVID pandemic, the last thing that would be any, the last thing this country needs is a repeat of, of Bush Gore 2000. And look, I, I was just starting, I've been here for like two years when Bush Gore 2000, you know, hit. And actually, that was one of the things that really helped me find an audience because we just, I mean, people were just obsessed with that sort of thing. And because of my background, I, I was able to give some insight into it. But I'm telling you, 20 years later, we do not need a repeat of that one way or the other. I hope we have a definitive answer. All right, back with more in just a minute. And yes, when we come back, I'll tell you how I think it's going to turn out. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Election Day tomorrow, and WTMJ is the only place for the best election coverage in the Badger State. Join us tomorrow evening for Decision Wisconsin, the 2020 general election. John McCure, Eric Bilstadt, and experts around the country give you the results and analysis as votes are counted. It's Decision Wisconsin tomorrow night, starting at 8 o'clock here on WTMJ. All right, I will make the prediction. 
My wife said, why do you do this? Because all you're going to do is just irritate a whole bunch of people one way or the other. No, but I, it's it's what I get paid to do. And it's then, like no other, any other day, right, well, Jeff? Well, well, it's, I mean, yeah, well, that, that's true. But it's it's like, okay, and, you know, you, you, you do this, and yeah. that's what you get paid. All right, here, here is what I think will happen. First of all, I think this race is going to be a lot closer than the polls suggest. I, I think there's a lot of Republican voters who are coming home. By that, I mean they're, they're going to end up turning out and they're going to vote for President Trump. So I, I think the race will be closer. Having said that, as I have been saying constantly, President Trump, um, when he won in 2016, it was, he I mean, he threaded the needle. He, he won Wisconsin. Republican hadn't won Wisconsin since Ronald Reagan in 1984. Um, he surprised people by winning Wisconsin. He won Pennsylvania by a narrow margin. He won Michigan. And then you know, other states, Florida, North Carolina, Ohio, Arizona. Um, I just, as I look at the electoral map, and I understand people, again, you know, don't like to have the polls. I just, I, I just, I don't see that repeating itself. I, I just don't. I think the election's going to be closer. But to me, what happened in 2016 was the president just sort of drawing to like an inside straight, if you want to use a poker analogy. I don't see that happening again. It's going to be closer. If I were a betting guy, and I am, I I think probably Joe Biden wins. That's my assessment. Wisconsin, Wisconsin is in play, but I think it is going to be tough for the president to hold it. That is not saying how I voted. Not telling you that, but it is saying how I analyze this. So I, I think I, I think President Trump needed everything to fall right in 2016. It did. If coronavirus hadn't hit, it would be a much different discussion, but it has. So that, that's that's the prediction. I think at the end of the day, Joe Biden wins. I don't have an assessment as to how many extra states he's going to carry. Um, what happens after that? We will see. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk about state and local races. Stick around. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. All right, this is your opportunity to play pundit or whatever you choose. We, we've, we've spent a lot of time on this program, obviously, talking about the presidential race. And as I always say, the... It, it's always that that what we call the top ballot races that start to, that suck a lot of the energy out of the discussion of of races. Um, and whenever whenever there's a presidential race, people talk about the presidential races, and that's important because typically what happens is you move down the ballot, what they call the down ballot races. Um, people, we we in Wisconsin, we we do have ticket splitters, but typically, you know, if you have a heavy Democrat turnout, for example, you know, a lot of people will tend to vote for the Democrat candidate for governor or for president or for Senate at the top of the ballot, and they'll continue to vote for other Democrats. And the same is true with Republicans. You know, big Republican wave elections, people tend not to split the tickets, although that can happen. So that's why, obviously, one of the things that people are going to be looking at across the country in the question as to whether or not the Republicans hold control of the U.S. Senate, which I, I think candidly, if, if Joe Biden wins, one of the best things that could happen is if the Republicans to both the country and for Biden would be if the Republicans held control of the U.S. Senate. So you'd have a form of, of checks and balances that would be there. I think that's the best thing that could happen to the country if Biden ended up winning. But 
you know, who knows exactly what's going to happen. One of the things you want to watch is, okay, what what's happening in those Senate races, and does that depend in part about how well Donald Trump does at the top of the ticket? Same thing is true as you move down the ballot. And in Wisconsin, we have control of the state Senate, which is, I think, 1913, Republican to Democrat, and control of the state assembly is really not in play. Um, on, on Wednesday morning after the election, after all the ballots are counted, the Democrats are, are going to be in the minority on, on both sides. That's just the reality for this election cycle, I think. But nevertheless, there's a number of interesting races that are there. Um, as I was pointing out at the start of the show, and I sent out a note about this on Twitter, you, you've got in some of these assembly races that the job pays 52 grand a year. You have over a million dollars, which is going to be spent in some of these assembly races, which is kind of God's way of telling you that you, you have too much money. If you can spend, if the parties can spend a million dollars on a race that only the job only pays 52,000 bucks. But there are some contested races around here, um, in the North Shore. Longtime Senator Alberta Darling, state senator. She's a Republican. She's being challenged by a guy named Neil Plotkin, who's a, pretty much a newcomer to politics. Um, that's a race that people are watching. Plotkin has a lot of money um, around here on the assembly. You've got Eric Brooks. He's a Democrat. He's the mayor of South Milwaukee. Run, he's running against Jesse Rodriguez. She is the incumbent. Um, Jim Ott who, of course, well-known to many people, former weather guy at TMJ4. He's been in the legislature for about a decade. He's being challenged by somebody named Deb Andraka. She, um, that district, it's a Republican-leaning district, but it's become closer um, over the last several years. It, it's a district that includes part of Ozaki County, but also the, the North Shore of Milwaukee County. Um, Robin Vining, the very, very liberal assembly person from Wauwatosa, um, she's running against somebody named Bonnie Lee. Um, Bonnie Lee, a conservative alternative. So let's talk about races. 855-616-1620. Let's start with Dan in Wauwatosa. Dan, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Thanks Hi. for taking my call. Sure. Um, it's funny you should mention what you just mentioned because my call is to express support for, and I already voted for, Bonnie Lee uh, just due to her pro-police and uh, not defunding the police stance. Uh, you know, I don't even want to mention her opponent's name, but her opponent uh, seems to be for not supporting the police and for defunding the police. So, well, again, vote Bonnie Lee if okay. when in doubt. Um, Thank okay, you. Okay, thanks. So, well, you're, that's a race. Again, Rob, Robin Vining is the incumbent. She's a Democrat. I think she won in a special election. Um, she's been there one or two terms, but she has clearly aligned herself with, with the some of the protests, in my opinion, with some of the, the protest stuff that's been going on in Wauwatosa, um, she's got some effective TV ads that are out there, so there's a lot of money behind her. You've certainly seen more of a media presence and a TV ad presence, at least I have, from Vining than from Bonnie Lee, but that's definitely a race that people are watching. 855-616-1620, any race that you want to talk about that you have been following, um, again, I don't think there's going to be any sort of seismic changes. I think smart money says that if 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 Joe Biden wins Wisconsin, Democrats will, will pick up a couple seats. It's, it's not going to be enough to put either the Senate or the Assembly in play. But there, there's a number of races, and a lot of the contested races are in our immediate listening area here in southeastern Wisconsin. Okay, Mark in Kenosha. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Hey, thanks for having me. Sure. What race do you want to talk you about? Know, I... Uh, 
the the Senate overall, um, I wanted to call and just explain my uh, my thoughts on it because I disagree with what you said before. Uh, if Republicans retain control over the Senate, uh, specifically Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, uh, he's made it his uh, legacy to make a legislative graveyard. He's passed no bills just about. Uh, he's proud of that, that fact, and all he has done is ram through uh, conservative extremist judge one after another, uh, uh, changing the rules to get him packed in the courts. That's all he cares about. I can't remember the last bill that he's actually passed to help the American people, and he's proud of that. Uh, Lindsey Graham is another one that I'm, I'm hoping is going to leave soon, and uh, I think that uh, McConnell actually has a strong challenger uh, currently uh, with, uh, I want to say his name is Jamie, um, McCon- and, uh, McConnell's not Dave. Yeah, McConnell's going to win. Okay, but you, all, all right. Well, Mark, thanks. I will explain to you why, in my opinion, the best thing that could happen to Joe Biden if he wins is for the Republicans to have control of the Senate. Matter of fact, and this isn't original. I might have even tweeted something out about this a couple weeks ago. There was a real interesting opinion piece in the in the Wall Street Journal. See here, here's here's what's going to happen. Biden is going to be under incredible pressure from the left wing of his party. Biden is, in my opinion, he, he's a sort of more traditional center left Democrat. That, that's as, as opposed to like the, you know, um, the, 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 the like the squad and stuff like that. He's he's much more centrist than a lot of the Democratic Party. He's much more sent. That's why he got the nomination. I mean, you had Bernie Sanders, who was kind of running away with this, and people just panicked. They said, look, the, the country's not ready for somebody who's a socialist, and I believe that. But there's a lot of people in the Democratic Party who, who are. And Biden is going to be, if he wins, under incredible pressure to go way far to the left that, that might even be beyond his, his instincts. But if you've got you know, a Democrat-controlled Senate, if you've got Nancy Pelosi in the House of Representatives, you're, you're not going to have many stopgaps. It's going to be Joe Biden, who at the age of 78 is going to be the one that's going to have to stand up and say, no, this is going too far, this is going too far. He's going to be facing, I think, a tidal wave of pressure from the far left wing of the party. Um, so why, why do I say that's bad? Well, because... And this is one thing. Look, I I understand if Republicans do poorly tomorrow, I I guarantee you that on on Wednesday morning, you're going to have a lot of people in the mainstream media that are going to be writing that it's the death tones of the Republican Party. Oh, the Republican Party is going to be destroyed. They're never coming back. It's going to take decades. B.S. I mean, I've been around doing this long enough to recognize that you have pendulums. I read those same stories in 2008 after Barack Obama won and you had Democrats that ran at, ran up, what do they have, like 59 seats in the U.S. Senate? Oh, this is it. The Republican Party is just history. Well, then what happened in 2010? You, you had a wave election that swung things back the other way. Uh, elections go like that. That's just the reality. One of the things, if you want to talk about the future, I mean, if, if Joe Biden were to have a Republican-controlled Senate, then if if people want to get anything done, you've got the Republican Senate that is going to, I, I think, restrain some of the worst impulses of, of Nancy Pelosi. If the Democrats control the Senate, it's run by Chuck Schumer, it's going to be Katie Barr the door. And what I think you're going to see is a, a tilt, a lean, 
a rush to the left by this country, by the elected officials in this country, like nothing we've seen in a long, long time. And as somebody who firmly believes that this country at its heart is still a center-right country, or or maybe even a a center-left country, but it's not out there on the extremes, I think what's going to happen is you're going to see if Biden's presidency is going to be a success, I think having divided government is much more like that because with divided government, you're going to have to figure out a way to get along, to get stuff passed. And that, I think, I think that bodes better. If you have a huge Democrat sweep in 2020, I think it's going to be fascinating to see what happens in 2022. At least that's how I see it. And that's what I mean when I say I think the best thing that could happen to Biden if he wins would be to have a Republican-controlled Senate that would help him keep his party, at least the left wing of his party, in check. Back with more in just a minute. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. You know, I was listening to that ad during the break from from Jim Ott, you know, and it was it is interesting. I, I live in Ott's district and I will say this. It, it's it has been I feel bad for our, our mail carrier because in any given day, I, I think over the course of the last a month or so, and I'm, I'm trying to say this without exaggeration, I, I on on a light day. I will have three or four mailers from candidates, including a, a lot from from in, in that particular race. On a on a heavy day, I'll have ten. Over the week on Saturday, the Saturday mail, you go out to the mailbox, it's jammed. There were ten separate mailers. I counted them um, from from different candidates. And look, I, I'm probably like a lot of you. I mean, first of all, I've already voted, so that that's done. But secondly, it's just kind of like the, the mailers. I know we're spending all this money, and I know we're supporting the Postal Service and stuff, but for me, I walk out to the mailbox, I kind of look through them, and, and it's it's all this stuff. Jim Ott wants to kill small children and is anti-science, and that's, that's of course, not the, the Jim Ott that I've known for decades. And But you, you get that kind of stuff, and you kind of look at all the things and kind of go through it and say, okay, I've got X from this candidate and X from that candidate. And then I will tell you that the, the printed mailings, in my case, they almost, unless there's something in there that I think might be fodder for the show, they almost never make it into the house. They make it from the mailbox, up the driveway, into the recycling bin, and boom, there, there they go. So it's it just, I think of all this money that's being spent on these things, and at least for me, it, it's just there. But there, there is just a ton of money out there. So, Gru, where you live, you, have you been getting a lot of mailings? Uh, yeah, but it's it's all presidential race stuff. Oh, I, getting, haven't, yeah. I haven't noticed anything local, but I mean, oh. yeah, it's it's. I can't imagine the the struggles that the postal service has just because I, of the mailers. I, I no, I mean it. It's just if, if you're one if you're wondering why your ballots are delayed, it's because there, there's all this other st- stuff that, that's going on. No, because in 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 
where see in, in many look I understand in, in many parts of the state you you don't have contested races now I, I happen to live in Jim Ott's assembly district and I live in Alberta Darling's state senator district and and so you know these are races that for whatever reasons you you've got uh, just a ton of money that's being spent on on these things the 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 Darling district at, at the end of the day that I bet you that that one clearly exceeds a uh, million dollars in, in spending for both sides and and her Democrat challenger Alberta's been there for forever and her Democrat challenger who's kind of a, a newcomer and nobody knows too much about him but he's got a ton of money behind him but you you see all these different mailings that are out there and stuff now I don't know if that really I don't know if that moves the needle I don't know if somebody sees this mailer about some candidate that they've supported for the last 20 years and goes oh my gosh I'm, I'm now going to switch my vote because th- this mailing says the person is terrible but it is amazing how much money gets spent on these things and literally but and then of course you've got the presidential race a- as well but you got all that stuff and it's just full of, of those different things also if you watch television and I do watch television a lot you you just I mean you you can't turn on the TV without seeing three or four or five ads back to back to back to back to back. And given the fact that these ads are are running, one of the problems with with TV ads in assembly races is, uh, you know, TV covers, you know, a, a wide a wide range, you know, I mean, again, you're talking about community and community and community and community, whereas, you know, for an assembly district, you're talking about a defined area, Rob Hutton running for re-election in, in Brookfield. So if you want to run an ad that attacks like Rob Hutton in Brookfield on TV, you're, you're spending money to reach people who might live in that district, but also people who live all throughout, you know, southeastern Wisconsin. So it's not the most efficient way to communicate with your voters. But nevertheless, a lot of money being spent on that. Again, I think unless there is a tsunami, unless unless President Trump loses 17 points, like that that one crazy poll a, a day or a, a last week suggested, unless President Trump loses Wisconsin by 17 points and, you know, Republicans just stay home or, or don't vote or no ticket splitting, I, I just don't see any major changes in the makeup of the Senate. Is it possible you can pick up a seat or two here or there? Yeah. But at the end of the day, I, I think Republicans are going to have a working majority moving forward. And now that we've gotten through the election, season. Hopefully people can get together with the governor and we can start approaching getting things done before the next election season starts. And I, I hate to scare you. I know we're just coming back from Halloween, but big story in the journal, state journal about all these candidates who are already planning their runs for governor or Senate or whatever, to which I would say, for the love of God, can't you give us at least a couple months off? Back with more in just a couple minutes. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. All right, during the break, my producer and I were having a conversation, and it does raise a very interesting question that I would like to put to you. All right? Tomorrow is, is election day, although if you look at the numbers, it, it is... We really have about an election month around here in Wisconsin. 
Um, about 1.9 million people have already voted, either absentee, and that's returned your ballots through the mail, or in-person absentee like I did, about 1.9 million. To give you an idea, there's about, and I'm rounding up and down a little bit here, 3.8 million total potential voters in Wisconsin. So you've got about 50% or so of, of the whole universe of possible voters in Wisconsin who have already voted. In 2016, the the total number of votes cast in the election, votes for Trump, for Clinton, and for some of the other party third-party candidates were 3 million. Now, keep in mind, we already have 1.9 million votes already in, um, plus there are going to be more received over the next you know day or so. So I, I think... Between that and the in-person voting, you're, you're going to shatter that that three million number. Going to shatter the three million number. Percentage-wise, the highest number of the highest percentage of Wisconsin voters in a presidential election was 73 percent in 2004. That was Bush Kerry, and that was 73 percent. So, I mean, you, you do the math, you know, 73 um, percent. You know, we're I think you're going to see if, again, unless people just don't go out and vote tomorrow in person, which isn't going to happen, I, I would not be surprised at all to see us top that percentage as well of potential voters. So huge, huge turnout. And obviously, this election is important. All the elections are important. The campaign, it, look, it wears on me. My guess is it has to wear on you as well. All right. I want to, I want to ask you a question. Because I think there is one obvious answer to this, but you might see things different. Here is my question. What has been the single most annoying thing for you this election season? Is that a good way to present? ask the question, Gru? Yeah, okay. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. What has, when you think about the camp, and I'm not just talking about, I'm not talking about necessarily the campaign for president or a campaign for state senator or assembly, but, you know, there, there's different things that candidates do. Um, what, what has been the most annoying thing to you? The thing that just has you on your last nerve? Is it, my God, if I turn on the television one more time and have to sit through six consecutive attack ads i'm going to scream is it i mean i was talking about earlier my god you go out to the mailbox and there's 15 pieces of of literature from the different candidates and they've all you know got darkened pictures of their opponent and stuff 855-616-1620 that's the accurate mortgage talk and text line now i really this year my answer would be different than my answer would have been four years ago but i am curious what's what has been the most annoying thing to you? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage um, talk and text line. All right. Let's start with uh, David in Sherman Park. David, you're on WTMJ. Uh, good afternoon. Hi, David. Uh, first time caller here. So Welcome. I would say the most annoying part is the the bombardment of advertisements, specifically like, the one featuring uh, former President Obama talking about don't let them take away your vote, and a few other characters saying stuff like that without ever really saying who they are. Okay. And it just creates a narrative that just drove me crazy every time I saw it. Okay, so it was it was some of the political ads and the, the tone that some of those ads had taken and the message that they were trying to convey. 
Yes. Okay, good enough. Okay, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. 855-616-1620. And by the way, there, there's not a right or wrong answer, except when I give you mine, you, you know, I may, maybe you're going to go, oh, yeah, I, I got that as well. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, what, what's been the most annoying thing to you? Has it been the repetitive commercials? Has it been the constant commercials? Has it been the mailings? Has it been, gosh, my doorbell keeps ringing, and every time I go out there, there's a candidate there, you know, who's who's reaching out to me. What what has it been that's just kind of driven you crazy? All right, let's talk to Jim in Hales Corners. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Jim. I have three words for you. Texts, texts, texts. They're driving me insane. I told my wife they're driving me insane. They come at all hours of the day. They come at 10 o'clock at night. I try to find you know something in the text that says how to unsubscribe. I haven't found it yet. They're just so incredibly annoying. Jim, you and I are at least on the same wavelength. This is the, you know, people always used to complain about, like, the robocalls that you would get, and you'd pick up the phone, and, hi, right. this is so-and-so. I, I have not right. gotten any robocalls this year, but I, on any given day, I will get at least a half a dozen texts exactly what you're talking yeah. about and and I, I have no idea i mean some of them are from republicans some of them are from democrats and and then you at the end of the text it says if you want to stop if you want to unsubscribe text stop i text stop and they still keep coming i can't make them stop yeah yeah i i've done it i've tried to stop it once and it didn't work and uh that, now lately i haven't even been able but i have not been able to find the stop button anywhere on these I, things no th- thanks for going no and again somebody says well all you have to do is take text stop to stop those tweets well that that might stop the tweet from that particular number but but i swear then i, I get three or four more from you know similarly aligned stuff no it, it's <clears throat> to me, it is th- those text messages. And, you know, I, I look, I can't figure out a way. I mean, I, I, I use my phone. People text me on a regular basis. So it's not like I can just shut it off. You, you know, you'll be driving along in the car. You're at, you're at home and, the you know, and all of a sudden, you know, ding. And, and it, it could be my brother. It could be my wife. It could be friends. It could be all sorts. It could be work. could have all sorts of people. And then I find, oh, don't you realize that so-and-so does this or that or the other? Can we have your support? You know, it's like, all right, stop it, stop it, stop it. 855-616-1620. That's the um, Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. But I appreciate that there's probably a lot of stuff that could be annoying. Tim in Fredonia. Tim, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Happy Monday, young Same man. Same to you, sir. You know, a couple of things, Jeff. Go ahead. And that really bothered me in the last couple of weeks was, just a total blatant where Twitter and social media decides what they want everybody to see and what they want to censor, Jeff. That's dangerous for our country. Number And I'll use a prime example, Jeff. Brett Kavanaugh, you remember that. I do. They had one-tenth of one percent of the evidence that we have on Joe Biden and his China and uh, money laundering ties, Jeff. And the media ran with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, CBS, ABC, all of them ran with that story, Jeff, on something that happened 40 years ago that was totally investigated and debunked seven times. But this one, where you actually have evidence, tapes, emails, everything, 
they don't touch it, Jeff, because it's their favorite candidate. Okay. I guess the activism, Jeff, has just gone out of control. In okay. My good. Thanks, good. Buddy. I good. Appreciate it. you. Okay. So your, yours would be media bias and the way it plays out. That is, I think, media bias. I think is real and it's a frustration. I guess to me, though, it just on a more personal level, I want the texts to stop, <laughs> and I have no idea. People don't have my personal cell phone number. That's that's the kind of thing. That's the thing that's kind of even more aggravating about it. It's like almost nobody has that cell phone number, and you kind of wonder where. Where did they get it from? Michaela in West Bend. Good afternoon. You're on WTMJ. Hello. Um, I absolutely agree with you. The text messages are just obnoxious. Right. Because unlike, I guess what bothers me the most about them is unlike the, the direct mail pieces, like I say, they show up in my mailbox and they pretty much, before I even get in the house, they go in the trash can. And that that's okay. I can control that. But I don't have to look at them. The text messages, you've got to at least look at them and go, yeah, I thought I was expecting a text from my brother and here it's, you know, so-and-so candidate wants to know if I can have their support. Stop. Don't send me those anymore. I actually started responding to all of those texts with just emojis to see if they'll respond to me. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Are you getting, do you get robocalls too, or is it just the texts? No, just the text. Just I, the text. Yeah, no, thank me too. I, I have not, I, and I guess it makes me wonder because there have been years past where I would have, you know, I don't have a landline anymore, but I would certainly have, you know, uh, phone calls that would come in and you'd have the recorded messages. Hi, this is so-and-so encouraging you to vote for, you know, this candidate or whatever. I haven't gotten one of those phone calls this year um, during the entire election season, but I've sure gotten a lot of the texts. Maggie in Grafton. Maggie, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Maggie. I'm, I'm also frustrated with the amount of text messages. I do click stop. I have gotten a phone call, which I sadly answered, and then it was a, who are you going to vote for? Let's get your vote. Oh. And, you know, by the end of it, I had answered, I think I told them I was going to vote for Mickey Mouse if they didn't leave me alone. <laughs> right. I'm inclined. Okay, who are you supporting? I'd be inclined to vote for your guy or gal, but if you call me one more time, I refuse. <laughs> it was. It was more of a... They kept calling, and they. I answered it, and it was, we want to know who you're going to support, and we want to tell you why you're going to support them. And I said, fine, I'll vote for Mickey Mouse, and called it. But they kept answer, asking political questions. It was like <laughs> Mickey Mouse went over their head. <laughs> yeah, it's, you're not paying any attention at all. Now, thanks to Kai, all these things are right. Jeff, um, they, they probably got your number from the Department of Motor Vehicles. Um, they sell, Wisconsin sells the list. I bought a car recently, and the dealer mentioned that your data for the registration and everything will be sold. Wonderful. Um, Jeff, my pave is the emails and my phone vibrates every time. I would estimate that I have gotten over a thousand emails. Huh. Oh, man, I'm telling you, just hopefully it'll end on Tuesday. Let's talk to Phyllis in Port Washington. Phyllis, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. How are you? I am well, Phyllis. How are you? I am, I guess, a little nervous. (laughs) talking on the phone, but I guess my pet peeve with the whole thing was Trump's rallies and his lack of concern over COVID with all those people in all those rallies and 
nothing was done about it. I mean, our our COVID jumped. Mm-hmm. I don't know how sky high, and um, I think it had a lot to do with the people at the rallies without any protection. Well, okay, Phyllis, thanks for the call. I mean, I I don't. I mean, there's a study out over the weekend that suggests that you know the the, the Trump rallies have contributed to the spread of COVID. I I my general reaction is that's that's sort of junk science because if we're told that the protests and the social justice things don't contribute to it, I, I'm not sure why the Trump rallies really do. But I, I appreciate that, you know. And, and regardless, that that's going to end. I know some people do think it's irresponsible for that to happen. Mike on the Northwest Side. Mike, you're in WTMJ. Hi. Good afternoon, Jeff. A lot of what you've been saying has always been annoying me. The main thing is those TV commercials that are like tenfold, you know, they never end, and it's always the same. I kind of mute them now all the time. I get hundreds of emails and some texts. I've gotten two robocalls, but the main thing is these uh, TV commercials. I just got, I'm actually looking forward to Gina <laughs> Della from Pella to come back on. <laughs> Thanks for the call. Well, Gina Della from Pella will, in fact, be, well, Gina's never gone anywhere. Um, all right, I'm, I'm going to share some texts when we come back. But it's I, yeah, for me, and, and that's the thing that, that's different. Again, the, the mailers... I, I just, I, I just, because I, I don't look at most of the mailers. I just, um, my, my, I just kind of scan through the stuff to see if there's something that might be appropriate show material. And then, you know, it, it all goes into the, into the trash can, into the recycling bin. The, the texts are much more intrusive in that I have to, I gotta look at them I, before I can then delete them. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Jeff, the yard signs. I don't care who my neighbors are voting for. I can't wait for them to be, um, I can't wait for them to come down. Jeff, my pet peeve is all the texts I get. None are even in my name. Some are not even for where I live. I mean, I see, that's, that's the thing. Jeff, uh, let's see, da, da, da. Um, Oh my gosh, I've been getting so many text messages, and the funny thing is they are addressed to some guy named Jerry. I'm a female not named Jerry, laugh out loud. I've had this number for 17 years. It is so flipping annoying. Um, Jeff, actually the most annoying thing has been there's been so little discussion of policy issues between the candidates and almost no discussion of foreign policy whatsoever. Um, Jeff, I feel left out. I haven't received a single election text or robocall. I'm glad I'm not in the in the text overload. Um, Jeff, I got seven text messages from North Carolina, started by saying, Hi, Angela, are you with me and all the North Carolina people in defeating the evil ways of Donald Trump? <laughs> um, yes, um, that's it's uh let's see uh jeff texting stop only tells them it's a legitimate number so you will get more block the number it's just like a robo call um let's see uh most jeff the most annoying thing is the mailers i received a piece of mail from a vote group from madison that showed my voting record and that of my neighbors the house numbers were blacked out on the mailer but it felt very creepy yeah that's that that is legal. Um, your your voting record is a matter of public record. 
Now, you, you can argue whether it should be that way or not, but, but it is. So, you know, you can, you can go and you, you can find out how people voted. Matter of fact, that's something that candidates do as part of opposition research all the time. They go out and find out if, you know, their opponent has voted. And if it turns out the opponent's never voted before, that becomes a, a campaign issue. Um, it's a public record, but I agree with you. It is extremely, um, it is extremely, Creepy. Um, Jeff, I received cop- I received copious amounts of text, and sometimes it's frustrating because when you type in, it will ask you if you will pay or agree to pay for charges with your mobile carrier. I know I have texting, but it always makes me nervous because what if I had stopped and I get charged for something I did not know about? Yeah, this is this is the way that we are adapting moving forward. Jeff, I have a work cell phone and a personal cell phone, so I'm getting double the text that everybody else gets. Well, yep, understand, feel your pain. That's the new thing for 2020, and who knows what it's going to be two years from now or four years from now, um, but it'll be there, no doubt about it. The only thing I can guarantee you is it probably, probably stops after tomorrow. Back with more in just a minute.